Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part three of Pitfalls and Errors. And in this case, I'd like to pick up where we left off before and talk about some specific issues. And one is the pancreas. The pancreas is always challenging. Some of the pitfalls we see, is that a pancreatic mass really a pancreatic mass or is it peripancreatic? What about islet cell tumors and misdiagnoses with splenic artery or anything that involves the spleen? So let's get started. Now, it's interesting, neuroendocrine tumors were very hard to diagnose in the past. CT's accuracy was 30%. The problem was the lesions were small, but more importantly, or equally important perhaps, they were very vascular, and if you didn't scan fast, they became isodense. Now the issue is we can pick up incidental neuroendocrine tumors like this 5-millimeter lesion, and the surgeons are scratching their heads what to do about it. These days, one centimeter or more are typically going to be resected. Now, to make the point about the timing, let me show you this set of images and ask you to say, do you see a pancreatic mass? Well, there's no pancreatic duct dilatation. There's no common duct dilatation. Texture looks pretty good, and I'll circle the mass for you. Still hard to see, but instead of giving you this very nice 60-second or venous phase image, I'll give you the 30-second, and look at that obvious mass in the head of the pancreas. Very obvious 3-centimeter neuroendocrine tumor. Here it is on the 3D mapping very nicely, showing you the lesion, showing your relationship to the patient's uh, GDA. And here it is side-by-side, side, arterial and venous phase imaging. You can see how large a mass you can miss if timing is not correct. Or in this case, routine follow-up for a renal cell carcinoma. Left nephrectomy is seen, pancreas falls posteriorly, spleen rotates posteriorly. But instead of this venous phase where everything looks great, I give you the arterial phase, and now you see the vascular lesion in the tail of the pancreas at body-tail junction. That's a metastatic renal cell carcinoma to the pancreas, not uncommon 10 to 15 years post-nephrectomy and suspected cure. These patients will often get uh, distal pancreatectomies in this case or all sorts of different pancreatic surgeries because interestingly, the only metastasis might be to the pancreas. But look how easy it was to miss that case, right? Obvious lesion arterial phase. So very important why protocols are so important. With the right protocols, you have a very obvious mass and save the patient's life. With a poor protocol, you miss the pathology. Look at this case, another example, right nephrectomy. Look at the pancreas non-contrast, looks A-OK. -okay. Look at the pancreas with contrast. Look at those multiple vascular metastasis on the patient's arterial phase imaging. Look at, look at these images, look how obvious those lesions are. And here's just another image, but here I'm showing you on the left the arterial phase and on the right the venous phase. Look how quickly the lesions become nearly isodense. So again, the point is dual phase imaging, if you're looking at renal cell, looking at pancreatic masses, is so critical. And that arterial phase cannot be overemphasized. It doesn't always help, but sometimes it's the only thing that will help. Now, I'll also mention that sometimes you can get fooled. This patient was referred to Hopkins for a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreatic tail. Kind of looks like that. Has some calcifications, not uncommon in neuroendocrine tumors. But when you looked at the 3D, you realized you had a splenic artery aneurysm sitting on the pancreas simulating a pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor. So sometimes, indeed, you can get fooled. It's not all that common, 
but it's something to be aware of. And it's a wonderful example where the 3D imaging was so helpful. This patient was referred to have that distal pancreatectomy, and the surgeon wanted to make sure the patient didn't have any liver mets. But look what a change it made. This patient would not need surgery. Now, in the kidney, there's a lot of pitfalls. And let me just touch on a couple. The first is to understand what a stone protocol study means and what it doesn't mean. We talk in the kidney as one of the common sources of error. Now, you can, you can say, well, part of it is the radiologist failing to observe or recognize an abnormality. But a lot of the other stuff relates to technique and an understanding of what the techniques provide. So if I ask you what are the errors, from a generic perspective, I'll say phase of acquisition or lack of phase of acquisition perhaps, image display technique and rendering technique. If I look at the phase of acquisition, that's where non-contrast comes in. Now, I will say in the patient with hematuria or suspected renal mass, non-contrast is very valuable to me because non-contrast really gives me ground truth. I know exactly what the lesion's density is, and so when I give contrast, I know whether or not it's enhancing or whether it's just a high-density renal cyst. From those images, I can be very specific. Something's a high-density renal cyst when it measures over 70 Hounsfield units on non-contrast and is well-defined. It's important to recognize also what a non-contrast study meant, and I said before, if you have a patient with hematuria and the non-contrast study is negative, it means there's no stone. It doesn't mean the kidneys are normal and the study shows no pathology. I think in the ER setting, what worries me sometimes, and I'm careful of my reporting, is patient comes with hematuria, the stone study's negative, the word of mouth is the patient has a normal CT and the patient's discharged. We didn't say it's a normal CT. We said there's no stones present. It's very easy to miss the presence of a renal cancer on a non-contrast scan. So let's look at this case. If I look at the left kidney, it looks like there's a solid mass, maybe faint calcifications, arterial phase, and excretory phase. No issue. But what bothers me here, of course, and you want to be careful, well-defined lesion, could this be a high-density renal cyst? Is that possible? Well, one rule I have, and this is something we haven't written, if something changes from arterial to venous, you know, more than 20 Hounsfield units, then you're thinking about a typical tumor. But people don't focus on the part, what if things don't change? What if arterial venous delayed or arterial delayed, things are exactly the same density? Well, I think in those cases, you're probably dealing with a high-density renal cyst. If you have a real tumor, whether it's hypervascular or hypovascular, you're going to see substantial change of more than 10 or 20 Hounsfield units. So, indeed, that can be very helpful to you. In this case, you know, we talk about how 25% of patients who go for nephrectomies have benign lesions. This patient was going to go for a nephrectomy or a partial nephrectomy, and we said, let's do a non-contrast scan, bring the patient back a day later when the contrast was gone. And there, sure enough, is a high-density lesion. That was a high-density renal cyst in the patient's left kidney. There was no need to remove it. There were no problems at all. This also makes the point about phases with the kidney, that there's no perfect phase. Each phase has certain advantages, but in my mind for classifying a lesion, detecting lesions, if you gave me the non-contrast, obviously, but arterial and excretory, I'm going to be perfect. Venus can help you sometimes with vascular invasion, but otherwise I don't think it adds a lot. Going back to the stone protocol, remember why we do stone protocols and what they do or don't say becomes very critical. We make the point also why we hate non-contrast CTs, because in this patient, 
you would read this as negative for stone disease in a patient with hematuria. But you're going to miss small tumors when the tumors do not change the renal contour. You're also going to miss a non-contrast scans polynephritis as well as vascular pathology. So in this case, you gave IV contrast, and there it is. There's the patient's renal cell carcinoma. It's very obvious there and on the uh, delayed phase as it washes out, but you can see you would have missed it if you were doing a stone protocol because that's how the lesion was and how it became. Now, we would agree there's no one perfect phase, and I told you I like arterial phase for the vascular map, for neovascularity, but that alone would not be the phase that would allow me perfect lesion detection because if you look at this case and I look at the patient's right kidney, I may not appreciate a mass present on these arterial phase imaging. Here, here's another set of images. Let me circle what I'm looking at because I know it's there. But boy, that is really, really subtle. And here it is again, right in the mid portion of the patient's right kidney. And then if you wait a little bit, you do excretory phase imaging five minutes later, look how obvious the lesion now is. The lesion is so obvious that it's a small renal cell in a lesion that looked just like a cyst. So again, a very, very important pitfall. Now, we talk about 2D and 3D imaging, multiplanar and 3D, and we know that display formats are very important, particularly in the kidney. In this case, you can read quickly past this renal mass, but if I showed you the coronal, the lesion in the left mid-kidney is so obvious, and the extent, again, coronal is more obvious for many of these processes, particularly kidney-related. Or this case where someone read this to be a normal kidney, the information you're seeing in the upper pole of the right kidney region was felt to be upper pole near the adrenal gland. And it indeed is upper pole, but it's an upper pole renal cell carcinoma. Okay? You see, things are at the bottom or upper parts of organs like the kidneys, people tend to leave behind. Their eye doesn't quite track them correctly. Your eye tends to end where you want it to end. And here's just a wonderful example of a renal cell carcinoma that was easy to pick up. Vascular clear cell, the patient's done fine, but very easy to miss if you only looked in axial plane. Now, I'll talk about uh, the ureter in a special talk, but just to show you several points about how subtle things are. Patient with hematuria, kidneys were fine, bladder looked fine. Look, I took the bone away. Look at the ureter, the left ureter. You see it looks like a donut? And that's with a very wide window. But sure enough, when I take that wide window, look at it on the coronal plane. Obvious transitional cell carcinoma. Or this case, in a patient who's had a loop already, when you look very carefully and you raise the images, you can see the patient has a lesion in the ureter. A very important thing this case shows is you can have a fairly good-sized transitional cell of the ureter, and it's still not obstructing the ureter or kidney. We always think about obstruction, but you don't need to see it. But look how obvious this lesion again is, transitional cell carcinoma. Now, there are many imaging features of the ureter, thickening, enhancement, calcifications, fat stranding, focal filling defects, and hydronephrosis, but it is somewhat challenging when it's very, very minimal. Um, this article by Rahman and Horton talked about how it's a very challenging area that proper diagnosis hinges not only appropriate interpretation of the axial slices, 
but in the utilization of 3D imaging. And our experience, prop utilization of 3D can be incredibly useful in the diagnosis of subtle tumors. Okay, very, very important, particularly uh, when you're looking at the ureter. Because we could pick up, if you're careful, subtle strictures, perfusion changes, areas of small mass, all things that are so easy to walk by. Here's a case, right renal hydronephrosis, thinning of the cortex, dilated pelvis and ureter, and you follow the ureter downward and now you see the mass, sort of a goblet sign. Here's another set of images showing you the tumor in the ureter. This case also makes a very good point. People say, well, I gotta wait longer, I gotta get more delayed to get the contrast opacified. Well, you know, patients are obstructed, it takes forever to get contrast down the ureter, but you don't wanna wait. You don't need to, and it doesn't help. The way I think of the ureter, if it's obstructed, if there's a tumor like this case, it's very much like looking at small bowel, where water is the best contrast agent. Here, water is an excellent contrast agent, and then you see the tumor standing out very nicely. Another example, you look at this case, hematuria. The left kidney looks a bit irregular. The pelvis is full. And here's the reconstructed views. The enhancement is not as great on the left. There's some scarring. There's the pelvis, and when you look at the excretory phase, you look at the ureter and it kind of looks thickened, as does the distal pelvis. And if you look at the uh, 3D maps, now you'll say on the right, maybe there's narrowing the proximal uh, right ureter, but I think that's just spasm. They both look like UPJs, but on the left, when you look very carefully, that left ureter is really thickened and now well opacified. It looks worrisome, obviously. And then when you go down the straight line of that vessel, look how nicely you see the infiltration of the left ureter. That's not inflammation, that's not a polyp, that is tumor inflammation, classic for transitional cell carcinoma, oh so nicely seen in this case. Or this example, perfusion change is very subtle. Here you see a small change in caliber of the left ureter. Again, you're able to use this MIP program of volume rendering, works very nicely, particularly MIP in most cases. You see the irregularity of the ureter, that's a transitional cell carcinoma. Yes, I know it's subtle, but that's what we're paid to do is subtle findings. This case again re-emphasizes that you could have a reasonable ureteral tumor and no evidence of obstruction. If you're only looking for obstruction, you're gonna miss a lot of cases. Then I'll say, let's look at another case. In this case, we want to look at the ureters again, hematuria, and you see the ureters are dilated minimally, but not much, it's probably normal. And if you stop just correctly, you can see this crescent, which is actually the tumor in the ureter. Very subtle, but there it is on the reconstructed views. Classic transitional cell carcinoma, very easy to miss on the axial, but the 3Ds make it so nice. And then here it is from the uh, MPR to the 3Ds. There you see the transition. Again, MIP indeed works very nicely. This article by Rahman basically talks about this in detail. So I won't go through this in more detail except to say to you that perhaps in your protocol you do get some sliding MIP images. When the pelvis is distended, the ureter is distended, look very carefully for subtle lesions. I think it's much easier at times to see them on 3D than it is on axial imaging. Now, in talking about this idea about looking at images in the post-processing, it also brings us to the mesenteric vessels, about the importance of using 
the sagittal view, for example, in mesenteric vessels. But why don't we do this? Why don't we stop right here and we'll pick this up in a couple of minutes and we'll finish part four of four. See you in a bit. Thanks a lot.